started a new series about three weeks ago, Ground Zero. Basically talking about this. Uh, every battle you fight, win or lose, started at Ground Zero. Right here in your mind. Every temptation you faced, whether you found victory over it or you lost that fight, started right here. Come on, are you with me? This is ground zero. And we talked about this. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. And why? Because our lives are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So we got to change the way we think about it. We talked about how we need to retrain our minds to refilter things. We talked about the God filter last week of how we got to begin to see things through a different filter. How do we do that? Well, a couple of different ways. One, thank God for what didn't happen. Start there. Sometimes you thank God because we're all about, look what God did. Look what. Sometimes you thank God for what didn't happen. Come on. You looking back in that yearbook, that crush that broke your heart, and you thought, God, why? Now you're thinking, God, thank you. Come on. I thank you for that. That did not happen. Two, you begin to pre-filter these things. Before you go into a meeting, before you go on that job, man, begin, God, I give you this. What, here's what I know. Whatever the outcome is, you've got this in control. And then thirdly, begin to look for the goodness of God. Look for it. Because here's the thing. If you're looking for bad, you'll find it. If you come in here, see, there are people in here, you're going to experience the same service, same worship, same message, same all. You, you are here part of all that. And if you came in here looking to find things you could pick apart about Watts Bar Community Church, you're going to find it. We are far from perfect. But you can't, if you came in here with a mindset, man, I'm just here to worship and get in the presence of God. You're going to find that also. You find what you're looking for. Um, last November, I actually had the honor and, and blessing of, of uh, getting to go to Israel with a few pastors. Um, wasn't a trip. I was, had, wasn't even on my... I, and y'all know I love traveling, but I got a call from a pastor friend. Said, hey, we've had a pastor drop out. If, if you can go, it'll just cost you this much. And I'm like, I'm in. So when we have seen things that have been going on over the past few weeks, we on one of the tours we took, we actually went up on this hilltop, and we overlooked, and we could see the Gaza Strip where all that st took place. And, and I've walked the streets of Jerusalem. I've walked through, the, through old Israel. I've stood at the Wailing Wall. I've done all that. So watching things happen over the past couple of weeks have broken my heart because I've been there. I've been among the people. I actually got to, uh, to, to sit in on, on how they celebrate their Sabbath, which I'll just tell you, church, we've got Sabbath wrong. It is act, an actual day of rest for them. They turn off everything. There are no electronics. There is no TV. For 24, for, I'm telling you, for that, there is nothing. And, and so it really broke my heart. And while we can look at it, it's easy to look at that and think, how can you, how, how can you experience peace in the middle of chaos? How can you experience peace 
when war is breaking out all around you. And while most of us will never experience that, we have all got some battles in our minds that we can wonder, I'll never be able to experience peace in this area of my life. We've all got some things going on in our life that we're like, man, how could I ever experience peace? And we've been looking at Paul over the past few weeks. And, and Paul found himself in a Roman prison, and it would have been very easy for his mind to go, oh, poor pitiful me. Here I am doing the work of God, and, I, and here I am now I'm in prison because of it. But from a prison cell, Paul penned these words in Philippians 4, starting with verse 6. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Come on, church, about what? Anything. anything. Do you know what the Greek meaning of anything means? Anything. <laughs> anything. Paul says, he's sitting in a prison. Don't be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your quest to God. Don't pull up verse 7 yet for me. Because I want you to get this. Paul says, if you can keep, from, keep your thoughts, keep from allowing them to take over and cause you to be so anxious that it rules your life, if you can do that and then bring everything before God through prayer and then top it off with thanksgiving, look what he says will happen in verse 7. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, but, but here's the big part, and your minds. Minds. Your minds. Why do we need it to guard our minds? Because that's where it takes place, the battles. A, a, a few months, um, some, some of y'all may have never heard this guy, but one of my favorite bands, Lincoln Park, Chester, Bennington, months before he committed suicide, said this interview in an interview. My whole life, I've just felt a little off. I find myself getting into these patterns of behavior or thought, especially when I'm stuck up here in my head. I like to say that this is like a bad neighborhood, and I should never go walking alone in it. He understood this. But he needed something to steady his mind. He just didn't know where to go. He says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. And then we die, go into verse 8, which is where we were last week. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Then look what he says. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, don't just feel good about what you've read. Don't just hear it. Actually put it into practice. And then what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. Been looking at Paul. And his ability to reframe, refilter his thoughts. Well, Paul had to learn it from somewhere. And Paul, being a follower of Jesus and a studier of Jesus, I believe he knew some of the stories and some of the things that Jesus dealt with. And that's what I want us to look at. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 16. 
And we're going to look at a group of men that have been following Jesus for three years. And I'll say this. These men, they, they've gone all in on following Jesus. They, they've bet everything on following. They left businesses, family. They thought, we're following Jesus. We're betting the, the whole pile, pushing all the chips in the middle. We're all in on this. So for three years, they've had a front row seat to hit this ministry. They've watched Jesus heal people. They've watched miracles. They've actually been a part of the miracle. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? I mean, they've actually been part. They've heard teaching that would just blow them away. And here in John 16, Jesus starts going off what they think Jesus should be doing. Man, that's, don't you hate it when Jesus does that? When you think life should be going a certain way and Jesus starts going off script, and Jesus starts going off script and talking about leaving them. And, and for a group of young men that have bet their life on following this one man, and now he's saying, I'm about to leave you. Anybody think some worry and anxiety started set in? Uh, absolutely. And not only that, he tells them, I'm also going to die. And I'm going to die a criminal's death. And so Jesus looked at these men that he's poured his life into. He could sense the confusion, the worry, and the looks on their faces. And this is what he said. Look at this, John 16, 32. A time is coming. In fact, it has come now when you will be scattered. You need to understand that Greek word there, scatter, scorpizo literally means to run in terror for fear. Jesus is telling these young men, hey guys, I know you've staked everything on following me, but I need to tell you, the time's coming. In fact, it's right on us. When you are going to find yourself running in terror and fear for your lives. Sounds encouraging, doesn't it? He says, I've told you these things. Verse 33. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, hey guys, I'm trying to prepare you. Because you're not just going to face physical battles. But the one that's likely to take you out is going to be the mental battle. That's the one that's going to take you out. If you don't watch it. You're going to face confusion. You're going to face worry, doubt, anxiety, and fear. But I need you to know that in me, peace is possible. Peace. It, it may look like all hell is breaking loose. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I, I think that the disciples have been like, Jesus, if you're telling me we're about to go through some stuff, if we're about to experience chaos, how can we find and have peace in that? And I think that's where some of you are today. Some things are going on in your personal life, in your circle. And you're like, how could I ever experience peace in this situation? Come on, we're, we're, we're right up on Thanksgiving. Some of y'all are going to be sitting around the table with people 
You only see once a year and you only see them then because you feel like you have to. And you're like, how do I experience peace in this situation? Because for a lot of us, peace looks like something unattainable. But here's what Jesus wanted the disciples to understand and what he wants us to understand if you're taking notes is this. Peace isn't the absence of something. Peace is the presence of someone. See, we think, our, our thinking, if I could just get rid of this in my life, I'd have peace. If I could just get this hovering bill that's over my head, I could get it paid off, I would have peace. If I could just quit arguing with my kids, one day I could have peace. If me and my spouse would act like we love each other just for a moment, then I would, come on, I'm going to get too real. Then I could have peace. But look at again what Jesus said to them. Verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Uh, that's not a Bible t-shirt. You, may, you don't see that. You don't see people wearing, in this world you will have trouble. You know. You don't see that getting tattooed on people. You don't have, you remember the WWJD bracelets? We don't have bracelets, I-T-W-Y-W-H-T. What does that stand for? In this world, you will have trouble. Would you like to get saved? That makes a terrible witnessing tool, right? Hey, man, get saved. What's, what's going to do, man? You're going to have trouble. You, you want to sign up? Maybe that's what I should have done at our new to bar. Hey, guys, I'm glad you're here for this new to the bar. Let me just go ahead and tell you, man, you're in for a crap show. Anybody want to sign up? <laughs> but that Jesus says, hey, in this world, you're going to experience trouble. Two chapters earlier, though, when Jesus begins this conversation, look what he says to him in John 14:1. Don't let your hearts be what? Come on, Lebanon, don't let your hearts be what? Troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Then you've got a few verses later in verse 27, same chapter. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be what? Troubled. Troubled. Twice. Back to back, Jesus doubles down saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because Jesus knew life was going to hit them. Even as Christians, that, that this world troubled. When it says don't be troubled, the Greek word that gets used, that Jesus is using, terasso. Here's what it means. Get this. To agitate. To cause inward commotion. To take away calmness of mind. To make restless. To strike one's spirit with fear and dread. Jesus is basically looking at these guys and says, hey, hey, guys, no matter what gets thrown at you, don't allow it to steal your calmness of mind. No matter what hits you out of left field, you didn't see it coming, don't allow it to agitate your heart. We invite agitation into our hearts. Every day when you log into social media, and you go looking for people you know you disagree with. 
Come on. You're allowing agitation in your heart. Let's move on. Because I think that may be too real for you. Jesus says in this world you will have trouble. Trouble. The Greek word there for trouble is the word phlipsis. Here's what it means. Persecution. Burden. Afflicted. Oppression. Distress. Or pressure. Jesus says, hey, in this world... You're going to experience pressure. Can anybody relate? In this world, you're going to experience stress. You know the word stress that we use, it comes from the Latin word. Get this. It means to be drawn tight or to be tied up in knots. Come on. Anybody, that situation has just got your stomach in knots. You ever heard that? Stress. Stress. And that's where some of you are today. You're emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially tied up in knots. You're stressed. Look at verse 33 again. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have, say it, peace. Peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to feel pressure. Stress is going to seem to be overwhelming. You're going to have knots in your stomach, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You may have peace. The Greek word that Jesus uses here for peace, irene. Get this. It carries the equivalent of the Hebrew concept shalom. You ever heard that? When I was in Jerusalem, that's the way they greet each other. Shalom. Shalom. I think we ought to get back to it. Especially when you find out what it actually means. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have shalom. Jesus wants these men to get it. That peace or that real shalom is not about the absence of a trouble-free world. Because right after that, he says, in this world you'll have trouble. But Jesus, you'll have shalom. See, we think, man, if I could get rid of this hardship, I could have peace. If I had the perfect spouse, I could have peace. My dad used to talk about counseling couples, people. He said, I'd have, have one person come in and say, man, if I could just get married, I would have peace. He said, then I'd counsel another couple. If I could just get rid of the one I married, then I could have peace. <laughs> Don't look left or right if you're married right now. Come on. But we do. If I had the perfect family, the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect clothes, if I could just get through this school year and pass, then I could get peace. Come on. You might know what I'm talking about. Because that's our concept of peace. But Jesus says, in me you may have shalom. See, the biblical, the Hebrew concept of shalom, it means so much more than the absence of conflict. It, it even, it's more than even just being content in, in something. It, it's about an internal condition. Something that is happening on the inside of you, regardless of what may be happening around you. Shalom. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, uh, paraphrases verse 33. 
I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be, look at this, unshakable and assured and deeply at peace. Anybody want to be deeply at peace? Oh, man, I would love it. Shalom means living in this place of mental, emotional, and spiritual health. It's you having this sense of strength, inner strength, when everything that's going on or happening to you should be showing you're weak. See, shalom is exactly the opposite of insecurity, uncertainty, anxiety, worry, and fear. Shalom means completeness or wholeness. Here's my definition of shalom. Bring that up for me. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. How would that change if we started greeting each other that way? Hey, Brent, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken in you, bro. May not feel like it, but shalom. How would that change? If we begin to greet each other and say, hey, bro, what's up? I mean, I love that. That's why you, I think we even talk like that through text. Hey, bro, love you, bro. Love you, man. But what happened? Because Jesus looked at his disciples and said, guys, I told you these things. Because when life hits you, you need to know that in me you may have shalom. In me, you may be emotionally, mentally healthy. In me, nothing is going to be missing or broken. In me, you have shalom. Author and theologian Cor Cornelius uh, Platinga, he defines shalom like this. The way God wants things to be. Don't bring that up yet. Or the way things ought to be. He says the way God wants things to be or the way things ought to be. Listen, I know we've got different people in here from different sides of the political arena, people from different backgrounds, people from different ethnicities, people, but can we not all agree this world is not as it ought to be? Come on. This world isn't as it should be. You got terrorism. You got racism. It's not as it should be. Are you hearing me? Uh, you've got corrupt politicians, both sides. Come on. Child abuse. Get this. The latest uh, uh, numbers show it's estimated that five children die every day due to child abuse. The world is not as it ought to be. Sexual abuse. One in four women and one in six men will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Get this, one out of every seven sexually assaulted victims are under the age of six years old. The world is not as it ought to be. One in four sexual assault victims under the age of 12 are boys. Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park talked frequently about being molested as a boy growing up. And how that being part of the mind games that he had to deal with. What about this addiction? The world is not as it ought to be. Tennessee, this is the latest stats. Shows that Tennessee is ranked third in the country for prescription drug abuse. Third. That would be okay if Tennessee Vols were ranked third. 
but we don't want to be in drug abuse. Sexual identity, people not knowing who they are, what they are, they're confused. The world is not as it ought to be. Come on, can we agree? Plantinga goes on to say this, and I can pull that up. Sin is the vandalism of shalom. But shalom carries the idea that God is setting things right. That's shalom. Listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. What he's saying there is sin, it doesn't get the final word in your story or my story. Sin doesn't get the final word in the book that we write. Because God, shalom, is setting things right. See? That's all right. Maybe you'll get it before the end. You and I were created in the image of God. For some unknown reason to me, God loves us more than we can imagine. Even through all our junk. Come on. Listen, I pastor you. You're not the most lovable people all the time. I'm not the most lovable person all the time. 90%, but not all. But what happened? Sin. Sin entered the picture. And this shalom that God had given us when he created the world was broken. And because of our sin nature, we continue to break it apart piece by piece every day. The good news is that's not the end of the story. Good news is that it didn't catch God off guard. God didn't say, oh, I never saw that coming. The mess we made, the brokenness we made, he took all that. He took our sin, our shame, our insecurities, our brokenness, and he placed them solely on Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus took all of that, died in our place through his death. He made peace between us and God. And because of what Jesus did, we can now stand before God, redeemed, restored, renewed, reconciled, and whole. Because of that. Man, I've got to hurry. I, I want to be very respectful of your time, but I'm telling you, I've, Somebody needs this. Plantinga says this in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. To speak of sin by itself, to speak of it apart from the realities of creation and grace, is to forget the resolve of God. God wants shalom and will pay any price to get it back. I love this. Human sin is stubborn, but not as stubborn as the grace of God and not half so persistent. See, here's the thing. Every weekend, we do it here on Sundays. Casey does it at CR. We give people the, the, the opportunity to trust Jesus for their salvation. But can I be honest? I think we've done a poor job at telling people what salvation really is. Come on. Salvation means a whole lot more than just sin's forgiveness, sin forgiveness, past forgotten, and getting out of hell free. That's, those are great perks. But it means a whole lot more than that. Salvation carries this idea that God wants to make us complete and whole again. He wants, us to, wants to set us as one again. He wants to restore, realign. He wants to untie the knots that we've created. 
See, Jewish believers, they understood salvation to an, it involved every aspect of their life. They didn't think of salvation as, hey, I got saved, I'm not going to hell. No. Jewish believers thought salvation was being set as one again with God. Jesus restoring that relationship, making us whole and complete. Paul understood this. That's why he said this in Romans chapter 1 or chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we now have peace with God because of what Christ our Lord has done for us. I love the way the message paraphrased him. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. Anybody want to have it all together with God? Man. See, shalom is when you're at peace with God. And because you're at peace with God, you can be at peace with yourself. I'm convinced so the, the, the craziness we're seeing right now with people not being at peace with their sexuality, not being at peace with their gender, is because they don't have the peace of God. So therefore, they cannot be at peace with themselves. Peace is not the absence of something or someone or problems. It's the presence of Jesus. Number two, life may be uncertain, but Jesus is not. Come on. Life is uncertain. The economy is uncertain. Family can be uncertain. Relationships can be uncertain. The political landscape, uncertain. This world is uncertain. But make no mistake about it. Jesus is not uncertain. He is a sure thing. It's in spite of all that's going on in our country, in spite of all that's going on in Israel and other parts of the world, this hasn't changed. He still has the whole world in his hands. He is still in control. He is still sovereign. Look, look at the second half of John 16:33. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. What does it say? That doesn't say like, sound like conquerors. That sounds like a bunch of wussies. Come on. What if say it like you're a conqueror? He says, but take heart. Why? I've, I've conquered the world. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, I've conquered the world. You can do it too. You know what that would be about like? If the goat, Peyton Manning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, God's still saving some of you. Uh, that's all right. If he was to come, hey, Kelly, watch this. I'm going to throw this 50-yard spiral down the field through that hole. Goes, you can do it too. Do it, do it, do it. I don't care how many tries I got. I'm not throwing that ball 50 yards down the field. And if it does get that far down the field, it'll be because it bounced half the way. <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say. What if Jesus said, hey, I've overcome the world. You can do it too. That would not be encouraging at all. Because if I'm his disciples, I just saw, I've watched this guy do some miracles. I've watched this guy do some incredible things. And I'm like, there's Jesus. I appreciate the confidence. 
But that's not what Jesus said, is it? He said, take heart, because I've conquered the world. In other words, guys, I'm going to do what you never could do in a million years. I'm going to do it not just for my own sake, but I'm going to do it for your sake as well. Jesus basically looked at these young men and said, Men, I have faced every enemy out there. Not only that, but I came and I've taken on your greatest enemies on the field. And you need to know, I didn't just squeak this out with a last-minute field goal or a Hail Mary, but I have devastated and demolished the enemy on his field. Come on. Jesus, man. Jesus didn't look at his disciples and say, you can do that. Jesus like, guys, I know. There's no way you can do it. You'll never be able to do it, but I can, and I have, and I'll do it again through you. Verse 33, John. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Those two words are key to you living a life of peace in a chaotic world. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me, not, not, not in, in, in the, the stock market, not in uh, how things are going economically. No, he said, in me, you may have peace. A couple things as we close. And I'm going to go through these quick. First Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your worry. Cast all your anxiety, all your fears, all your doubts, all that junk the enemy's trying to throw at you. Why, why does he say cast them on him? Because he cares for you. Take those worries. Take those concerns. Take those issues, those sins. Give them to God. Why? Because he cares deeply for you. And you were never intended to carry the weight alone. Jesus knows it's only in him that you can have real peace. And listen, I'm not implying that you can go out and live however you want to. Do whatever you want to and then say, well, I've still got the peace of God. Are you following me? Because we bring a lot of unpeace, if that's a word, on our own. We bring, bring it so what I do here's the first thing you do what you can do do what you can do if there's a relationship issue if there's a problem you don't go on uh, texting other people you don't get on Facebook you do what God says for you to do and you go to that person and sometimes it means you're apologizing even when you don't feel the need to apologize why? Because Jesus said we are called to be reconcilers. So that may be what it looks for you. If it's my health that's giving me some of the peace issues, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to stop eating junk. I'm going to start putting better things in my body. I'm going to start going on walks. I'm going to do what I can do. If it's finances, I'm going to start eating out five, six nights a week. I'm going to start, stop going out with my, and letting everybody at my table order these $3 sweet teas. That it, it adds up to $20, $25 extra. They drink water. It's not going to hurt you. My, hey, 
Kelly, were you like, absolutely. My wife will tell you. I got to my kids. They say, Dad, I want Coca tea. You got any money? Oh, you do? Put that on theirs. Give that ticket to them. I'm not making them mad. They're just getting ready to come up here on stage. Some of y'all are like, he's offended the whole worship team. If it's relationship or a marriage, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to seek counseling. I'm going to seek help, not from just people that agree with my side of it. Oh, man, that, mm, let me back up. I'm going to do what I can do. Then what? Then I'm going to give God what I can't do. See, some of y'all know the health issues that Denise has been going through here, here recently. I can't heal her. And these hands are magic, but that's something I can't do. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> I saw some of y'all are like, some of the women were like, mm. I feel for Pastor Denise. Mm. If I could heal her, I would. But I can't. So what am I going to do? We're doing, I'll tell you this, this woman is doing everything she can do, diet-wise, health-wise. So then what are we going to do? We're going to give it to God. What we can't do. You can't heal that person. You can't make that person like you or want to be reconciled to you. But you're not responsible for how they respond. You're responsible for you. I can't change this person. Can't change the the situation. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to lean into the fact that life may be uncertain, but Jesus is not. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to trust God no matter what. See, it it is possible for us to experience peace regardless of what's going on around us. Jesus said, he looked at these young men and says, I know this world is broken. I know that. I know it's messed up. And I know you're dealing with your own brokenness. But I don't want you to get so obsessed with your own brokenness that you miss out on what I'm trying to do in you. Sometimes we get so obsessed with our brokenness and we're, we're where we're failing miserably, that we miss it when God shows up and shalom is present. See, this world's in chaos. And there is brokenness all around us. But we've got to understand peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of Jesus. See, there are people here that have healthy health issues. And it's doing its best to try to steal your peace. There are people here with financial issues that are trying to steal your peace. With relational or marriage. Some of you are struggling with addiction or a sin that is trying to steal your peace. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. Not in job security, not in the health report, not in your education, not in a relationship, not in your finances, not even in your sobriety. He said, in me is the only place that peace can be found. So here's what we're going to do. I want to sing shalom over you.
because there are people I know God did a lot during, during our worship time but I feel some of you you need peace and I want to speak shalom over you in the next few moments nothing missing nothing broken the world seems chaotic shalom I don't know if I'll ever be able to get past this addiction shalom I don't know if God can save my marriage shalom I keep praying for a healing but I'm not seeing anything shalom shalom my kids are out doing stuff stupid and I'm I'm working shalom and here's what we're going to do I'm going to begin to sing sing shalom over you and if that's what you need I want you to stand up where you are say God that's me that's me no big altar call simply you responding to your father